Craig had what was called a doomsday plan, which he kind of kept in his in his uh, back pocket. A couple of years earlier, told me I've written a list of things that we have to do in the event that something were to happen to the business. We literally pulled out the doomsday list and we talked about all the things that we have to do to bunker down and weather the storm. And we started doing them. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. A few episodes ago, Martin Dolkey talked about the lengths and efforts required to feed large numbers of people in stadiums, and in a pandemic, feeding those in quarantine. There are all sorts of levels of offering in the hospitality sector, from fine dining to cafes, clubs, pubs, tuck shops, on airlines, in cinemas. Our reliance on eating away from home and a desire for quality products has given rise to manufacturers of ready-to-cook products using the sort of produce one normally associates with restaurants. With the pandemic halting all public activities, what impact has this had on these artisan manufacturers? Karen Levecki is the co-owner of Land of Plenty Food Co., known for products such as Lotus and Ming, Dim Sum and Co., and Paloma Pops. Karen, how are you going? Hi, Huck. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I've got a lot to talk about because I know that this period of time has been difficult for this company that uh, you started many moons ago. Uh, do you want to just take us back to that time? Because I, th- I think we met, I'm not sure if it was more than a decade ago when you won our best new food service product at Fine Food one year uh, for one of your products. Um can you tell us about the beginnings of your product? Because it kind of stands out in that um, the category that you're in. Oh, absolutely. Huck, we met probably at one of our first fi- times exhibiting at the Fine Food Show. I think it was in Sydney going on about 15 years ago. We've got a bit of a history there. Um, what is Land of Plenty now started as Lotus and Ming nearly 20 years ago. Um and Lotus and Ming came off the – was born off an idea that I had walking to my job in a hotel in the CBD one day just strolling down Martin Place. I, I had this epiphany that the world needed more dumplings. And um, at the time all that was available was what was in Asian supermarkets or at Yum Chai in Chinatown. There was nothing like what was available now on shelf. So I quit my job and told people that I was going to bake cakes and I quietly went about my way creating a range of gourmet dumplings that were designed to target the Western market. So creating handmade dumplings and spring rolls and buns that were all about using fresh Australian produce, beautiful flavours, no preservatives or MSG and no fillers, making the core ingredient the hero and celebrating this amazing produce that we have in Australia. And at the time when you and I met, I think it was probably my first big um, big way of bringing that product to market it was the first time we signed up to do a to do something 
and take it to both the food service and retail market on such a huge scale to introduce it to buyers. And I, I was so young and so naive. I just took the space and said, here we go. <laughs> As At that time, we... We launched the product range and, and then, as you said, that's how we met. Uh, we entered into the best new food service product category for some of our products and you were one of the judges for that product range and we were so proud that day. I think at the time we won for a Shumai product. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. We were so proud. It was such an incredible uh, such an incredible compliment and celebration of all of the hard work. I mean, I started my business from my parents' home in Randwick. I had a phone line and a room and I just picked up the phone 10 times a day. That was my commitment, 10 calls a day, and used, and started calling people to introduce myself, introduce the, the products that I'd created and bring the name Lotus and Ming to the market. So going into the fine food show and then and being able to win Best New Food Product in one of our first shows was an incredible opportunity to kind of bring our name to market. Well, I can tell you as one of the judges that day, it was a relief to eat your product because when it's a show that big, <laughs> you have to eat all sorts of things from um, – and I can tell you the dumplings were, were a real star that day because people come up with some pretty crazy ideas in the category. Yes, I remember that. And I think we, we uh, formed a firm friendship uh, formed a firm friendship after that experience. And really it gave me the I, I guess it gave me this incredible opportunity to and energy to go forward and continue to grow and learn in this phenomenal industry that we have. Can you tell us a bit about the challenges of creating those products? Because it's it's one thing to have this idea that the world needs more dumplings and that I agree with. Um, but how do you, how do you just then make them and create them? What sort of team did you put together and how, how did that come up, come together? Well, it's, it's quite a funny story, but I, what I actually did was I actually went down to Chinatown and bought a whole lot of product off the shelf and kind of made the call to go out to all of these people and see how it was that they were doing things. And I saw, so many different things, some of which I probably can't even say, but it gave me the push that I needed to do something different. So I started interviewing chefs. I started putting recipes together myself. I started trialling things at home and I had a lot of stop starts. I met a lot of people where I thought that I would be able to do it together with them and it didn't work. And as it turned out, I um, was introduced to a dim sum chef by chance by someone that my parents knew. Wow. And they, yeah, it was it was a pure fluke moment. And I went out to meet him. We sat down and had a chat. I said to him, I want to create this range of product that's designed for the Western market using different flavours and different ideas and where along the way I was told no a lot of times, he said, okay. So it was taking this traditional concept and turning it on his head and finding someone who had the same belief that I did that we could make it work. Um, for example, wanting to make a pumpkin dumpling or create a barramundi spring roll. Someone who's a traditional dim sum chef may not necessarily want have wanted to step out of his comfort zone at that point. And 
when we connected, he he was willing to give it a chance and say, okay, you know what, we'll try. And we've been to working together ever since. Um, and as I said, you know, the reality is that it is a unique place to be because there is such an art and a master to it that um, to be able to get someone now 18 years ago to step out of the comfort zone and do something so different to what they know, I take my hat off to him because together um, we really did create a new niche in the marketplace. Well, over the years you've also launched uh, multiple brands in, in different categories and you're now called Land of Plenty Food Co and um, Lotus and Ming is part of that. Uh, can you tell us about some of your other product ranges and, and where your main markets are? Well, that's right. So Land of Plenty Food Co was created as a platform to house the brand, many brands that I've created over the years. So Lotus and Ming was the baby and the infancy of where we began, but we really realised very quickly after that as the category began to grow that we didn't want to be pigeonholed into being just a dim sum company. So it it what it what it did for me was it pushed me to create other brands and products. So I would I'm I'm very passionate about innovation and creation, and so diversifying away from just dim sum enabled me to kind of look at other products that I saw trends for or I saw a niche or an opportunity to create a category for that type of product. So Land of Plenty Food Co. is now home to, as you kindly mentioned, Lotus and Ming, Dim Sum and Co., which is a spin-off brand designed to cater to a broader group high-volume market. Uh, Rustic by Lotus and Ming, which is our range of non-Asian canapé items where we make beautiful handmade uh, arancini, empanadas, croquettes. From scratch, we make our stock and our risotto bases, everything from scratch. Um, our We created a value, a beautiful value-added seafood range. Uh, which was our deluxe seafood, which I also think we were fortunate enough to win an award for at Fine Food um, with you. And that was about taking beautiful produce and 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 creating, a, taking a traditional concept, I guess, and turning it on its head, which is what we do. So where traditional value-added product might be 60 or 70% coating and the 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 fish or the protein inside is a lot smaller, might be 30%. We flip that around. We make the core ingredient the hero and we make the coating, you know, the added extra. So that was one of the other product ranges. And then uh, Paloma Pops, which, as you know, is named after my daughter Paloma. We created a range of beautiful ice pops that are all natural, no added sugar using Australian fruit. And then of late, in the recent years, we launched the Our Family Table range, which is our uh, value-added seafood range, which we took into the retail market as well as food service, and Bondo Yogurt, which is our yogurt, our um, artisan batch-made yogurt range. So we've done a lot of uh, creation and innovation over the years, and we just have got to have fun with so many different aspects of this beautiful produce that we have available to us. 
And you do you do have products that go into the retail sector, but the vast majority of your uh, business is the food service sector, which you know, like airlines and stadiums, cinemas and venues. Um, what what was the impact of the pandemic for you at the beginning, and and how did that unfold for you? Well, when you and I first touched base at the beginning of all of this, I I, I think I might have mentioned to you that. We've been really fortunate that we have created both food service and retail products um, over the years, but truthfully, 90% of our business is food service. So as you said, uh, supplying airlines, stadiums, venues, cinemas, they're our core clients and they're, they're the bread and butter of our day-to-day business. We've been really fortunate to work with some incredible clients over the years who have helped take us to amazing places. So, yes, we do have our retail range and our retail ranges, I should say, and they're a big part of who we are. We have been incredibly impacted by the shutdowns and 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 I guess not and and not only COVID but the lead up to COVID as well. What was that lead up like? Can you tell us tell us about how you experienced and saw it unfolding? Well, we had kind of just come through the impact of the droughts, the bushfires, and the floods. And we could see that COVID was starting to have an impact in a small way and, and what where we were and from our, from our little window, it was when it all kind of unfolded, Craig and I were actually on a our very first holiday in a few years. He'd booked us an anniversary trip up north. We were staying local to support local and we had taken our very first trip and we were away for a couple of days, our first time away from the children when it all kind of imploded. Wow. And ironically, the weather turned at the exact same time. And you know how <laughs> volatile the weather can be up in the wit Sunday. Yeah. So the weather turned and the world turned and the two of us, I'm afraid to say we both took our laptops, the two of us pulled out our laptops and the holiday ended and the planning began. And Craig had what was called a doomsday plan, which he kind of kept in his in his uh, back pocket. He he'd a couple of years earlier said, "I've told me I've written a list of things that we have to do in the event that something were to happen to the business, and I've got a list so that in the face of a crisis, I don't need to panic. It's there." So. We literally pulled out the doomsday list and we talked about all the things that we have to do to bunker down and weather the storm and we started doing them from big ticket items like talking about rent and mortgages and um, expenses down to the smallest things like shutting down freezers and consolidating stock into one freezer as opposed to two so that we could reduce the output of electricity. Really just from start to finish having it all locked down within seven days so that we could just keep the doors open and keep going. 
That's extraordinary that you would have a, a doomsday list and then actually have circumstances in which to use it. How, how much of a comfort was that during that period when you had to scramble? Um, phenomenal, phenomenal. I mean, y- you know that I, I started this business on my own in my parents' home nearly 20 years ago, but I met my husband through the industry and he joined the company 10 years ago and together we've grown it to what it is today and I couldn't do what I do without him. He's really been my rock and my support and just has helped us to grow to where we are today. So he was phenomenal in implementing so many of those things on the back end and then while I dealt with the client side of things and the the consumers and what we what I needed to do from our NPD and product side to just forge ahead I it was a really interesting experience and and I know a couple of times if I look back I remember saying standing at home and saying to him I just you've blown me away at how how incredibly fast and effectively worked in the face of this crisis. And and we had some really scary moments, but I think together we've we've looked at it and said and 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 I kind of bounced off each other. One day he might have had a hard day or I had a hard day and we've kind of used that opportunity to push each other through to the to the next hurdle or the next the, the next challenge that we faced. You have a lot of food service clients, as you were saying, and how quickly did they stop things and what was the impact of that? Overnight. In short, overnight. Um, we had a lot of uh, orders. I mean, our, our clients were amazing. A lot of them committed to taking the stock that they had ordered. You know, where we could help, we we stopped production on products. We worked very closely with each of them. But effectively, when you know that the airlines are shutting down and there's no planes going to be in the air, there's from one day to the next, you may have 10 pallets going out next week and then none. The cinemas closed down. They didn't actually need. They didn't need any product. Um, weddings, parties, corporate events, conferences—it all literally stopped overnight. And our focus became about, I guess, refocusing. I know everyone's used the word pivot a lot, but pivoting our attention, uh, pivoting in, uh, pivoting to where we could see opportunity, what we could do in the short term to keep going and, and what business we did have, how to maintain that and continue to grow it. What were some of the things that you did? I know you had some retail uh, business about 10% of, of your overall business but is, has, is that an area that you were able to increase during this time? We, we were really fortunate in a couple of ways and I, and I have to say I've said a few times through this experience that um, I've been determined to find the silver linings and I'm 
so grateful for so many things despite this pandemic and the impact that it's had on my business. And um, the reason why I say that is because every I feel so grateful that despite the fact that 90% of our business has been impacted in food service, we still have 10% that we supply retail to, whereas many people don't have that that luxury and um we have got an incredible customer base in retail as well our ranges over the years as you as you mentioned are artisan products that are predominantly available in the independent grocer market um so we've got a lot of beautiful customers that just completely I guess, um, embraced us and supported us through that process. So our dim sum and co range, our seafood range and our pops ranges were going out in volume, especially given that the lockdowns were in place. We have our yogurts available in Harris Farm. So Harris Farm have been incredibly supportive of, um, of, of our products on shelf there. Um, and when I talk about being grateful for these opportunities, we launched our very first range ever into Coles in October last year. So that is the first time in nearly 20 years that we've even entertained the idea of going into the majors. And between Craig and I, we created this range of value-added gluten-free seafood products that we were lucky enough to take to market right before all of this hit so those are one of the those are some of the silver linings with the impact of the pandemic affecting your business so dramatically has it changed uh, what your business plan is moving forward yes it has we have i mean look we had a five-year plan, a seven-year plan. We actually had a one-year, a three-year, five-year, seven-year plan, and that kind of all went out the window. And um, I guess what we're doing now is focusing on growing our retail brands and growing our growing our product range in that retail space while we wait for food service to recover. And we'll continue to innovate and create so much so that I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Fial having offered a Black Summer Innovation Grant earlier in the year. We were really lucky enough to have been approved for one of those grants. I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, No, can you tell us about that? Fial is a food innovation group that are supported by the government that – that put out opportunities and uh, learning opportunities and grant opportunities for businesses like ours. And if you embrace them, there's some incredible opportunities. And and they put out a, a black summer call, I suppose, for businesses that were affected by the bushfire, the drought, COVID, and uh, provided opportunity for innovation and creation grants to retool and revisit what you were doing. So we put our hands up for a grant to develop 
and create new product under the Our Family Table brand, which is available in Coles. That's the one that's in Coles and they um, – and the idea was to focus on using more Australian produce and m- – working with more Australian suppliers and bringing them to market. So those are the things that we're going to um, explore and develop on as we go forward, really collaborating with some of the incredible producers in the country, trying to support other businesses that have gone through what we've gone through, focus on what we can do with our brands in that retail space, where we can take it, whether it be export or to further to more places throughout um, Australia and then continue to just chip away. How about you personally? How has this ride been for you and has it has it changed you? In so many ways. Um, I, I have to say in the beginning I had this wonderful time with my two girls at home and – when the shutdowns first took place, we really took the opportunity to be with be with our girls and focus on time with them and see how much they've grown and evolved. I mean, I've got a seven-year-old and a and a nearly two-year-old, and I work around the clock, so they don't get a lot of time with me. And but when I, they are with me, it's quality time and. It's all about them. But having that shutdown time was phenomenal to just reconnect and rebond and just stopping and taking stock of where our life was at, what we've achieved, how grateful we are for what we have, uh, being able to uh, spend this time with Craig reflecting on everything over the last 20 years and reminding myself that this business was created off an idea that I had walking down the street in the CBD nearly 20 years ago and knocking on doors and making 10 calls a day and um, just having an idea to having built it into something so special now. So it just was a phenomenal reminder of what we can achieve in the you know, at at any point in our life. So in some strange way, it's just made me realise what I've achieved, despite the fact that 90% of it kind of went overnight. But I know that I can do it again. I want to just go back to the doomsday um, note that you have because I think that's extraordinary and perhaps something that may have really helped to get through this scenario. Has there anything been added to this um, doomsday plan for future reference having gone through this experience? <laughs> Off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to my head and Craig might kill me, but he created a shit list. <laughs> <laughs> so and we, we have this thing on the wall of things that we're going when all of all is said and done what are we going to change what are we what are, what are we going to do better or who who are we uh who 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 who's been an incredible sport to us or who are the things who what are the things that we need to change in the future that we've not really noticed or haven't had a chance to realize now 
I think so. that's amazing. I think I need to write one of those. <laughs> so it's quite cathartic, I have to tell you. Maybe I say, maybe I should just say we'll call it the list. We've created a list <laughs> of things, the people or things that just haven't ha- – don't kind of fit our value or our ethos that we've got to take stock of at the end of all of this. At the moment, it's just pushing our way forward and getting through it. And I'm really optimistic. I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of um, – I'm optimistic because I think we're in this incredible community of people that are all behind each you, other. You do have that sense of optimism and that you've always had that trait as long as I've known you. Is what's the greatest lesson you've learned from this pandemic? Um, what is the greatest lesson? No one is immune to this. Is I think we've I've realised that we've all been affected in some way, and I've realised that I am strong and I believe in myself. I know that this business was created from nothing and I know we'll keep going and continue to grow. What it's going to look like on the other side, I don't know yet, but I know that we're going to do it. And I think having my best friend and my husband by my side is makes it even better. One of the other best lessons that I've learned is to be true to what you do. I've never compromised on what I what I want to do and what I want to create and I've always believed in using the best produce, the best possible product, creating the best the best of the best in its category, whatever that category is. So just reminding myself to be true to what it is that I that I do. What's exciting you about the future now that we've sort of moved forward, you know, to this stage of COVID and dealt with a lot of the trauma and we're starting to look through COVID? You know, what's exciting you about potential in the future? I'm excited to bring these new products to life that we've been working on in the background and creating with love and passion. And I'm really excited to kind of go back to my roots of selling and bringing these new products to market and finding new customers and sharing our story with new um new people and new areas that we may not have necessarily approached in the past. Well, that sounds pretty amazing. Um, Karen, you've been extraordinary, as I know you to be. Uh, please keep in touch and look forward to seeing what the new dawn is for Land of Plenty Food Co. and what you're going to bring to the market. Um, stay in touch and thanks for chatting today. Thank you so much, Huck. I really appreciate it and thank you for everything that you do for everybody in this community. I feel so privileged to be a part of it and um, I think you've gone to extraordinary lengths to really help us all feel like we're in it together. So thank you. Thanks, Karen. We'll talk soon. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. 
Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.